بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلله فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله تعالى عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد Respects and listeners, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh The title of today's talk is Capitalize on Five Before Five. This is actually a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Related by Imam Hakim rahmatullahi alayhi in his al-mustadrak and by others. From Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhumah who says that the Prophet wasallam said to someone whilst advising them, اغتنم خمسا قبل خمس شبابك قبل هرمك وصحتك قبل سقمك وغناءك قبل فقرك وفراغك قبل شغلك وحياتك قبل موتك أو كما قال صلى الله عليه وسلم so Abdullah ibn Abbas says that whilst the Prophet was advising someone, a man, he said to him, capitalize on five before five. So these are actually the words of Rasulullah Seize five before five, capitalize on five before five. your youth before your old age, your health before your sickness, your wealth before your poverty, your opportunity before your preoccupation, and your life before your death. So the title is actually based on the beginning words of the hadith in which Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, capitalize on five before five. Now the hadith mainly speaks about time. If we look at all five of these things, youth before old age. And the fourth one, 
The first one, youth before old age. The fourth one, your freedom before your preoccupation. Your opportunity before your preoccupation. And the fifth one and final one, your life before your death. All three of these, the other two are your health before your sickness and your wealth before your poverty. So apart from these two, the first one, the fourth one, and the fifth one, three of these five are all related to, related to youth, life, time, opportunity. Mainly time. Our life is made up of a number of seconds. Limited seconds. We are all destined to live for a number of years, months, weeks, days, hours, minutes, and seconds. And Imam al-Hassan al-Basri, one of the wisest and most eloquent scholars of the earliest generation, he phrased it beautifully. He said, you are, إِنَّمَا أَنْتَ أَيَّامٌ مَجْمُوعَةٌ you are but a collection of days. <coughs> For each day that passes, part of you disappears. <coughs> so you are but a collection of days. For each day that passes, part of you disappears. So we have very limited time. And our limited time on earth is made up of our Life, our youth, our free time. And what the Prophet ﷺ has told us repeatedly in various hadith is that we should appreciate and value this time and not let it go to waste in any way whatsoever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, اقترب للناس حسابهم وهم في غفلة معرضون ما يأتيهم من ذكر من ربهم محدث إلا استمعوه وهم يلعبون لاهية قلوبهم. Allah says, mankind's reckoning has drawn near, and yet they are heedless in neglect. They aren't paying any attention. ما يأتيهم من ذكر من ربهم محدث. No news. Admonition or no new reminder comes to them from their Lord except that they listen to it or they receive it playfully. Whilst their hearts are distracted. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends reminders, warnings, signs. Repeatedly, and yet we don't pay much attention, if any. And throughout the Quran, Allah reminds us again and again. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says this, that mankind's reckoning has drawn near, and yet they turn away in heedlessness and neglect. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained this beautifully. He said, اقتربت الساعة 
And Allah actually uses that phrase as well in another verse of the Quran. The hour has drawn near. So the Prophet said, The hour has drawn near. وَلَا يَزْدَادُ النَّاسُ عَلَى الدُّنْيَا إِلَّا حِرْصًا وَلَا يَزْدَادُونَ مِنَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا بُعْدًا That the hour has drawn near and yet people are only become increasingly eager for the world and they are only becoming more and more distant from Allah. So instead of turning away from the dunya and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this hadith related by Imam Hakim rahmatullahi again the same author in his al-mustadrak from Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu an the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says iqtarabat as-sa'ah wa la yazdadu an-nas 'ala ad-dunya illa hirsa wa la yazdaduna min Allah illa bu'da that the hour has drawn near and yet people are only becoming increasingly eager for the dunya and only becoming more and more distant from Allah. So this hadith beautifully explains a verse. They complement each other. This is our reality. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has told us. We have limited time. And we won't be able to appreciate this now. And in, in, in light of the hadith, some of the ulama phrased it beautifully. They said that only four people appreciate and value, or only four people appreciate the value of four things. Only the old can appreciate the value of youth. Only the poor can appreciate the value of wealth. Only the sick and the ones suffering a calamity can appreciate the value of good health. And the fourth one is rather surprising. The ulama used to say that only the dead can appreciate life. And I say it's surprising because we may well ask that how can the dead appreciate life? Well, the Quran tells us that after death, at the approach of death, people will plead with Allah to return them to life. حَتَّى إِذَا جَاءَ أَحْدَهُمُ الْمَوْتُ قَالَ رَبِّ Allah says, until when death comes to one of them, he says, Oh my Lord, return me, i.e. to life. Maybe, perhaps, I may be able to, I may be able to do some good in the life that I've left behind. Allah says, never. This is just a word that he will utter. But he won't be returned back to the beginning of his life, or backwards in any way. Rather, this is just a word that he will utter. And beyond that, 
there is the life of Barzakh between his death and between the day that they shall be that they shall be resurrected. There are other verses as well, and not just at the time of death, but in the Akhirah. In a number of verses, Allah has told us that various people will plead with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or with the angels to return them to life so that they can make amends, they can change, they can do things differently. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not allow that for anyone. So this is why the ulama say only the dead appreciate life. And that can only be understood in the context of these verses of the Qur'an. So whether we look at youth, whether we look at life in general, or whether we look at free time and opportunity, all of these are to do with time. And that's what we are. We're just a collection of time. Whether you evaluate it in days, months, hours, years, weeks... We have a limited amount of time on earth. And lost time is irretrievable. And time is a sign from Allah. It's a gift from Allah. It requires appreciation, acknowledgement, and thanks and gratitude to Allah. It's actually a sign. One of the most telling things is throughout the Quran, Allah swears by time in Many places, many verses. In fact, most of the famous surahs that we know, that most people know, by heart, towards the end of the Qur'an, Allah repeatedly swears by time. <coughs> by the night. I won't translate all of them because it'll take too long, but by the night and by the day. والشمس وضحاها والقمر إذا تلاها والنهار إذا جلاها والليل إذا يغشاها again in this set of verses by the sun and the moon by the nights and by the day والضحى والليل إذا سجى by the mid-morning brightness by the mid-morning sun and by the night والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر by time فلا أقسم بالشفق والليل وما وسق والقمر إذا تسق. by the break by the شفق which is actually the twilight and by the night and by the moon again. so and again there are many of the verses in all of these verses Allah سبحانه وتعالى repeatedly swears by time by the instrument by time itself such as والعصر by time, or by the instruments of time that Allah has created for, the, for its calculation. The sun, the moon, the night, the day, the crack of dawn, twilight, crack of dawn, wal-fajr, wal ashr, wal-shaf'i wal-watr, wal-layli idha yasr, hal fi thalika qasamul hijr. And that's a very telling verse. Allah again swears by the crack of dawn, morning. The nights, by the odd and the even, by the night again. And then Allah says, هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ That is there an oath in these verses for one of intelligence? 
This is why the ulama say, if you are unable to appreciate the beauty of these verses or any of the parables and the similitudes that Allah has struck in the Qur'an, then do not question the Qur'an itself, rather question your intelligence. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, only the intelligent, only the wise, only those who have sense will be able to understand and appreciate these parables and the similitudes mentioned in the Quran and again when Allah swears by all these things he says is there an oath in these for someone who possesses intelligence so Allah swears by time again and again throughout the Quran so it's a sign of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's a gift of Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, It is He, Allah, who has made the night and the day such that they succeed each other. The night follows the day, the day follows the night. لِمَنْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يَذَّكَّرَ أَوْ أَرَادَ شكورا, For one who wishes to take heed, be admonished, and for one who intends gratitude. If someone truly appreciates this gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they will be grateful. And that's why again in the verse, That Allah, Allah says, and it is of his mercy that he has created the night and the day for you. So that in the night, in the night you may rest. And and in the day you may seek of his grace and bounty. And so that you may be grateful. So gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the gift of time, for the gift of days and nights, for the gift of life, for the gift of opportunity is an obligation on the believers. And part of that gratitude isn't that we just express our shukr and gratitude verbally by saying alhamdulillah, etc. Rather, we should express gratitude by action, by deed, not just verbally. And gratitude is of different forms. A person can express their gratitude and show appreciation and say thanks simply verbally. But the real gratitude is by deed. If you give someone a gift, they may say a thousand thank yous to you on the spot, which may momentarily please you. But how would you feel if, as soon as you turned around, you later learned through someone else or through other means that they actually disposed of your gift or discarded it? Or even if they didn't dispose of it, they merely put it to one side, ignored it, neglected it, never used it again. How would you feel? Gratitude isn't just verbal. If you purchased a gift for someone, the gift is of a certain nature. If it's flowers, they are to be placed in a good spot looked at, appreciated. If it's an item, it's meant to be used in a good way to remind the person of you. If a person says thank you verbally, but then either discards the gift, 
neglects it, puts it to one side, or even disposes of it, or worse, abuses it and does not use it in the manner or for the purpose that you gave it to them, how would we feel? Is that gratitude, regardless of what we said at the beginning, regardless of the verbal thank yous? Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has gifts to us. Part of our shukr and gratitude to Allah for these gifts is not just to say alhamdulillah repeatedly, but it's also to use the gifts in the manner that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects of us. Not to be ignored, not to be neglected, not to be discarded, not to be disposed of, and most not to be wasted, and most importantly, not to be abused. To abuse the gift of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to abuse the benefactor through his gifts, that is the greatest insult. So part of that gratitude is to appreciate and value time, to use it in the manner that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala expects of us, that the Prophet has taught us. And this is why the Prophet reminds us in this hadith that اغتنم خمسن قبل خمس Capitalize on five before five. Now, the word capitalize, it's my translation of the word اغتنم اغتنم means Seize the opportunity. In fact, there is, in my opinion, there is no better translation than the word capitalize. Capitalize on five things before five. And it's a very commercial word. Capitalize on. But throughout the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses commercial language to help us understand. يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمُنُوا هَلْ أَدُلُّكُمْ عَلَىٰ تِجَارَةٍ تُنْجِيكُمْ مِنْ عَذَابٍ أَلِيمٍ O believers, should I not show you a tijarah, a trade, that will deliver you from the fire? إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَىٰ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِإِنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Indeed, Allah has purchased the lives and the wealth of the believers in return that for them shall be jannah. So Allah uses commercial language Speaking of the misguided people, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, their trade was not profitable and they were not guided. So Allah likens our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ يُبَايِعُونَكَ إِنَّمَا يُبَايِعُونَ اللَّهِ يَدُ اللَّهِ فَوْقَ أَيْدِيهِمْ Those who pledge their allegiance to you, addressing the Prophet ﷺ, in reality they are pledging their allegiance to Allah. يَدُ اللَّهِ فَوْقَ أَيْدِيهِمْ Allah's hand is above theirs. And other verses as well that speak of the bay'ah between Allah and His creation between Allah's Messenger وسلم, and his followers. The word bay'ah is, comes from the same root letters and is very closely related. In fact, it's, it's closely related to the word bay'ah. So bay'ah means trade and bay'ah means a pledge. 
And the reason they are related, and in fact, in the bay'ah, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speak of the hand? And traditionally, the Arabs, when they would give the bay'ah, how would the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam accept the bay'ah? By hand. Because that marks an agreement, it's a sealing of a deal. So whether the deal is a contract, whether the, or whether, whether the contract is of a relationship, or whether the contract is of a purchase and sale, it's a contract. And traditionally, there were no receipts. So how would people seal the deal? It was done with a handshake. So whether it's bayer, trade, hand on hand, whether it's a pledge, it's hand on hand. So throughout the Qur'an, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses commercial language because that's the language that we understand. Profit, loss, gain, loss. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us what he wishes to say in those terms. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us exactly the same. So in this hadith, اِغْتَنِمْ خَمْسًا قَبْلَ خَمْسًا Capitalize on five before five. And in another hadith, which is very closely related, and it's recorded by Imam Bukhari in his Sahih and by others, the Prophet says, There are two gifts, two blessings of Allah, in which many people are at a loss. Maghboon means someone who suffers a financial loss. <clears throat> one, of the, one of the principles in Islamic finance, which often distinguishes between halal and haram, is that there shouldn't be any ghabn fahish. Ulama say there shouldn't be any ghabn fahish, which means severe loss, unbearable loss. And I elaborated on this when I was commenting on Kitab on the Ahadith of Kitab al the Book of Transactions from Sahih al-Bukhari many years ago. Some of you may have been present then and may recall. And I mentioned that principle then in the light of a number of Ahadith, that one of the things that governs the prohibition or the permissibility of financial dealings and transa- transactions is the principle of ghabn fahish, meaning severe and bearable loss. And that's what ghabn means. It doesn't just mean a loss. It means a very serious loss, financial loss, monetary loss. So here the Prophet ﷺ says exactly the same thing. There are two blessings of Allah in which many people suffer a ghabn, meaning they suffer a monetary financial loss. Now, in reality, it's not a monetary loss, but that's the language that the Prophet ﷺ uses. There are two blessings of Allah in which many people suffer a great loss, truly an unbearable loss. And the two blessings are good health and time and free opportunity. So the language of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam indeed is a commercial one here. The Arabs, especially the Quraysh of Mecca, 
They were traders, and this was their language. So it was a perfect language to help them understand, and it's human nature. We are so conscious of financial loss, of the right, paying the right price, never overpaying. And that's why we check prices, we hunt for bargains, we ensure that we do not pay a penny more than we need to. We will undergo certain difficulties. We will actually spend more time in order to purchase something at a distance if it means that we get it cheaper. We're willing to spend more time. We may even walk there just because it may be a few pennies or a few pounds cheaper. Because that's how much we value gain and profit in wealth, and that's how much we fear loss in profit in wealth. But what of our time? Wealth comes and goes. The rich become poor, the poor become rich. And there are many opportunities. And a lot of the time we have excess wealth. But unlike most of the things, there is one thing which is irretrievable which once lost, no strength, no power, even combined in the universe can retrieve that lost thing. And that's time. Every second that passes is truly irretrievable. It will never come again. And this is why the Prophet ﷺ reminds us again and again in different words, seize the opportunity, don't waste time, don't turn away. Don't suffer a loss, at least when it comes to time and opportunity. And in this hadith, capitalize on five before five. The first one, your youth before your old age. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us health, strength, and a person, man or woman, in their youth, they reach the peak of their intelligence, their senses, their faculties, their physical strength, their abilities. This is the peak and the prime of their life, of their youth. And this is why, on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will question a person about their life and their youth. Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi relates a hadith in his sunnah and so do others. From Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu says, لا تزول قدم ابن آدم يوم القيامة من عند ربه من عند ربه حتى يسأل عن خمس عن عمره فيما أفناه وعن شبابه فيما أبلاه وعن ماله من أين اكتسبه وفيما أنفقه وماذا عمل فيما علم عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله عنه says that the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said a man's foot will not shift from before Allah on the day of reckoning 
on the day of resurrection until he has been questioned about five things. لا تزول قدم ابن آدم يوم القيامة من عند ربه. A man's foot, the foot of the son of Adam, will not shift from before Allah on the day of resurrection until he has been questioned about five things, and they are one, his age, and عمره فيما أبلاه فيما أفناه. His age. Where did he? Spend a while away his age. The number two, وعن شبابه, and his youth. Where did he while away his youth? فيما أبلاه. Number three, his wealth. Where did he acquire it? Number four, how did he dispense of it? And number five, everything that he learned. How did he act on it? Did he act on it? Now, the thing that concerns us is the first two. And the surprising thing in this hadith is, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud radiyallahu anhu, quoting Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will ask him, number one, about his age. So he'll be questioned about his whole life. But then, وَعَنْ shababih. He will be questioned again about his youth. Specifically. This is like accounts. Imagine you are being audited. You have a general inquiry about all of your transactions. And then the accountant pulls out a file and focuses specifically on that one particular file for a particular period, in excruciating detail. Because that will be your make or your break. That will make you or break you. So on Yawm Al-Qiyamah, every one of us will be questioned in general about our whole life, but then, but then again, specifically and in great excruciating detail, we will be questioned about our youth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives, has given all of us these faculties, these abilities, these senses, this strength, this knowledge and understanding. And Allah will question us about this gift. That what did you do with it? How did you spend it? Many of us may think that, in fact, there is a common misconception that piety, conscientiousness, good deeds, prayer, all of these things are for the old. So once you become old, now is the time to learn, to earn, to enjoy oneself, to live life. And piety, prayer, all of these things will come later. But that's a gross misconception of reality, of life, of what the Quran and what the Hadith say. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says in a very beautiful hadith later by Imam Abu Dawood in his Sunan. From Sayyidina Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas radiyallahu anhu says 
Now, the Prophet sallallahu said, At-tu'adatu fi kulli shay, illa fi amal al-akhirah. Tu'adah is in everything. And what's tu'adah? Tu'adah means, tu'adah is the opposite of ajalah, which means hastiness, rashness. So one is when we rush into something, we are hasty, we are over-eager, over-zealous. We, had, we hurl ourselves headlong into that thing. The opposite is du'adah. Du'adah means patience, forbearance, deliberation, proceeding slowly, caution, prudence. This is what du'adah means. So forbearance and patience. The Prophet ﷺ says, du'adah, du'adah, forbearance, patience, deliberation, Deliberation should be in is is in everything, illa except fi amal al-akhirah in the deeds of the hereafter. When it comes to the deeds of the hereafter, there should be no deliberation. And Subhanallah, it's all, the hadith is almost the opposite of what we think. For us, there is haste, an emergency. And a total lack of patience and a rush into all the affairs of the dunya. But there is patience and deliberation and postponing in the affairs of the akhirah. Whereas the Prophet says a complete opposite. That deliberation is in everything except in the deeds of the hereafter. And in another hadith, Tu'adah means the same as al-anah. Anah means patience, forbearance, deliberation. All of that comes from Allah. And haste comes from shaitan. So, when it comes to the affairs of the akhirah, this idea that it's okay, we can always turn to Allah later. We can do it later on in life, in old age. And in fact, at times, this is the message that we give ourselves and we give others. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us otherwise. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells us otherwise. Allah says in the Quran, وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ الْعَذَابُ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ That turn to Allah, turn to your Lord, and submit to Him before punishment before she, then you will not be assisted. And remember, punishment can be in any form. Bala, a misfortune, a calamity, is a form of adab. وَاتَّقُوا فِتْنَةً لَا تُصِيبَنَّ الَّذِينَ ظَلَمُوا مِنْكُمْ خَاصَةً And fear, Allah says in a verse of the Qur'an, and fear a fitna. Meaning an adab, which will not only befall the guilty and the criminal amongst you. The reason I mention that verse is that fitna is a form of adab. 
Bala, misfortune, calamity are all a form of punishment, a form of adab. So one of the meanings of this verse is, وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ الْعَذَابُ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ That turn to your Lord and submit to him before punishment befalls you, before adab befalls you. That adab could indeed be a divine adab from Allah. Or it could, it could even be an adab in the form of fitna and in the form of trial and tribulation. And we, we, just, we know that. Many of us neglect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, neglect our duty until a calamity befalls us. And once a calamity befalls us, we turn to Allah But at times it may be too late. Because if we think that we can wait, we have the luxury of time, we have the luxury of waiting, then we are totally wrong. One of the dangers is that as time passes, it's the law of the universe. It's the law of the physical universe. It's the law of the spiritual universe. The law of the spiritual... The law of the physical universe is that as time passes, things go into reverse. Things deteriorate. They fall into decline and to decay. It's a rule of the physical universe. Nothing survives the passage of time. Even metals. What happens to sturdy steel and metals? Iron. What happens? Rust. Rust accumulates and gathers, which is corrosive and which destroys these these sturdy metals. That's the law of the physical universe. Time always moves ahead. And as it moves ahead, there is always change. In fact, as I mentioned in the tafsir of Surah Al-Asr, scientists... When they define time now, one of the most widely accepted theories of the definition of time, what exactly is time? Time isn't an entity in itself. Time is merely the marker of change. That's what time is. So when something shifts from one state to another, that small, almost imperceptible shift of change from one state to another, that's time. And when it shifts from one state to another, when that change overcomes every single atom, every single thing, is the change for the better or is it for the worse? Does it go up or does it go down? The law of the universe is change is always in decline. Things decay, they deteriorate. They decline. That's the law of the physical universe. The law of the spiritual universe is no different. Man is never in a state of inertia where nothing happens. Man is always moving, even spiritually. And unless he enforces that rise, man can never rise spiritually. He's always falling. It's like in the physical universe, if you want to climb up, you have to make an effort. And luckily, at least in the physical universe, if you're not climbing up, you're not at least going down. But in the spiritual universe, if you're not climbing up, 
you will be going down. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran, By time, indeed man is in a state of great loss. Always going down. والطين والزيتون وطول السينين وهذا البلد الأمين لقد خلقنا الإنسان في أحسن التقويم ثم رددناه أسفل سافلين. By the fig and the olive. This is a reference to Jerusalem. By the fig and the olive. And by Mount Sinai. And by the secure city, مكة. So Allah swears by بيت المقدس Jerusalem. Allah swears by Mount Sinai. Allah swears by Makkah al-Mukarramah. Having sworn by these three places where the prophets walked, the angels descended, and the revelation of Allah came down to these prophets. Allah swearing by these three places says, لَقَدْ خَلَقْنَا الْإِنسَانَ فِي أَحْسَنِ التَّقْوِيمِ Indeed, we have created man in the best mold. ثُمَّ رَدَدْنَاهُ أَسْفَلَ سَافِلِينَ Then we reduced him to the lowest of the low. In another verse, أَلَمْ يَأْنِ لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا أَن تَخْشَعَ قُلُوبُهُمْ لِذِكْرِ اللَّهِ وَمَا نَزَلَ مِنَ الْحَقِّ وَلَا يَكُونُوا كَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْكِتَابَ مِنْ قَبْلُ فَطَالَ عَلَيْهِمُ الْأَمَدْ فَقَسَّتْ قُلُوبُهُمْ وَكَثِيرٌ مِّنْهُمْ فَاسِقُونَ Allah says, has the time not yet come for the believers that their hearts soften and submit to the remembrance of Allah and to that truth which has come down to them. And that they do not become like those who came before them. What happened to them? Time passed long over them. So their hearts became hard. Many of them are sinful. In another verse, بَلْ أَرَانَ عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ مَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ Nay, the rust of the sins that they used to commit gathered over their hearts. And Imam the Prophet ﷺ explains this, this verse of the Qur'an in a hadith in which he says, whenever man commits a sin, a dot... A blemish appears on his heart. A spot appears on his heart. If he repents and turns to Allah, then that spot is removed and his heart is polished. The words of the hadith are, suqila qalbu, His heart is polished. But if he does not repent, then the blemish, the spot remains. And his heart continues to collect Blemishes and spots. Then the Prophet ﷺ actually says in the hadith, this is that rust which Allah mentions in the verse, Nay, the rust of the sins that they committed gathered over their hearts. Gathered on their hearts. What do all of these verses tell us? Especially the first three. وَالْعَصْرَ وَالدِّينَ أَنْ أَلَمْ يَأْلِ لِلَّذِينَ all of them tell us that with the passage of time, hearts become hard. People sink to being the lowest of the low. We are in a constant, perpetual state of great loss. And in all of these, man doesn't have to do anything. You don't have to be sinning all the time to become worse. 
That's why I said we think that we have the luxury of time, that as I get older, thing, I'll become wiser, I'll become holier, more spiritual. No. In fact, in a hadith later by Imam Bukhari, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, يَكْبَرُ ibn Adam, وَيَكْبَرُ مَعْهُ اثْنَانِ حُبُّ الْمَالُ وَطُولُ الْعُمْرِ Man grows older, and two things grow with him. يَكْبَرُ ibn Adam, وَيَكْبَرُ مَعْهُ اثْنَانِ Man grows, and two things grow with him. And what are the two things that grow with age? Meaning, the love of wealth and the desire for a long life. So man does not necessarily become holier, more spiritual, or better with the passage of time. The great danger is that with the passage of time, rust will gather. A person sinks and declines and deteriorates in their spiritual state. And the only way of ensuring that, of arresting that decline, of preventing that loss that Allah speaks of in these verses is what he mentions in both Surah Al-Asr and Surah Al-Deen. What does he say? By time, man is in a state of great loss. Except, and in Surah Al-Deen we have created man in the most beautiful mold and then we have reduced him to the lowest of the low. Except, and what are the exceptions in both Surahs? Except for those who believe and who do good deeds. So this is the time now, not old age, not later. In fact, the danger is that we may become rustier, creakier, worse, stubborn, more set in our ways. I was once speaking to a psychiatrist. And he said to me that I saw a patient today, and she was, she's 75 years old. And I was staring at her, and listening to her speak. And all I could see was a 15-year-old girl. The same language, the same, obviously, uh, underlying language, same thoughts, same ambitions, same, same talk. And then he explained to me that the only difference is that she no longer has the physical strength or the ability or the opportunity of the 15-year-old. Otherwise, even at the age of 75, I could still see the 15-year-old child. I'm only quoting. What that tells us, we know anyway, that with time, we may become frail and weak. Our bodies may not have the strength. Our minds and bodies may no longer have that agility or ability. But it does not mean that the nafs has become wiser or holier. The nafs remains young throughout. 
And that's what the Prophet said. Man grows older. And two things grow with him. The love of wealth and the love of age. The love of a long life. So we don't have that luxury of waiting for old age. Rasulullah says, the very first thing, capitalize on five, before five. The first one is, your youth before your old age. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran that on Yawm al-Qiyamah some people will be told أَوَلَمْ نُعَمِّرْكُمْ مَا يَتَذَكَّرُ فِيهِ مَنْ تَذَكَّرْ وَجَاءَكُمُ النَّذِيرِ Did we not give you enough age that someone who should have taken heed would have taken heed? In that age. Meaning, did we not give you sufficient age in which a person could have become wise, a person could have learnt, could have taken heed, could have realized? Did we not give you enough of an age? And did the warner not come to you? Now, obviously, the warner. There are two interpretations to the word warner here. One is clearly Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But a number of Sahaba radiyallahu anhum and tabi'een, their students, have defined the warner not as being only Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, but sheeb, meaning white hair. وَجَاءَكُمُ nadir And the warner came to you, meaning white hair. This is why in a hadith later by Imam Bukhari rahmatullahi in his sahih, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, If Allah subhanahu لَقَدْ أَعْذَرَ اللَّهُ إِلَى مْرِئٍ Indeed, Allah has exhausted his excuse by delaying a person till the age of 60 years. The meaning of أَعْذَرَ اللَّهُ إِلَيْهِ It's a very unique Arabic phrase. أَعْذَر in Arabic refers to when you give someone chance upon chance, chance after chance, until you can no longer give them any more chances. You've exhausted all your excuses. You've made every excuse for them. You've given them every other. You've given them every excuse. You've given them every opportunity to change. You've run out of your patience. You have made every excuse for them. You now can no longer do anything for them. You've exhausted everything. It's not possible for you to give them any further opportunities, any further chances. This is the meaning of i'dhar in Arabic. And of course, some of these don't apply to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says... Indeed, Allah has exhausted his excuses. Allah has exhausted his chances with someone whom he has delayed till the age of 60 years. And he actually mentioned this in... Well, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, did we not give you that age? Now... 
the ulama mentioned this hadith. Some, but there's a difference of opinion. That what is the age in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given someone enough of a chance? Is it the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where he says that 60 years? There's a difference. The hadith doesn't speak about when a person should realize. The hadith speaks about someone who's had their last chance. And that last chance is at the age of 60 in the hadith. It doesn't mean that that's when they should realize. What the hadith says is that Allah has exhausted all chances and opportunities and excuses for that person. If by the age of 60 they don't realize, they will never realize. But when should a person realize? When is that age that Allah refers to in the Qur'an when he says, should we, Did we not give you enough of an age that someone who would have ta- should have taken heed would have taken heed? The two are different. One is the exhaustion of all chances. One is that age by which a person should come to their senses. So when is that age when a person should come to their senses being referred to in the verse? Of course, ulama have mentioned different ages. Some have said 60, some have said 40, some have said 30. As I've mentioned before, the beautiful, eloquent, wise and noble great-grandson of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the son of Hussein radiyallahu an, Imam Ali ibn al-Hussein Zain al-Abideen radiyallahu an, he would say that the age by which a person should realize and come to their senses, which Allah refers to in this verse, that did we not give you enough of an age by which or in which someone who would have taken heed should have taken heed? Imam Ali ibn al-Hussein, Zainul Abideen radiyallahu an, the grandson of Fatima radiyallahu anha, the son of Hussein radiyallahu an, and the great-grandson of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to say that age is 17, being referred to in the Qur'an. 17. So youth is vital. And Imam Bukhari and others all relate a very beautiful hadith from Abu Hurairah radiyallahu anhu says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, there are seven whom Allah the Exalted will give, will give a shade, will give a place in his shade on the day when there shall be no shade except his shade. And amongst those seven, the second one is Imam Adl wa Shabun Nasha'afi Ibadatillah. A just imam, the first one. The second one, a young man who grew up in the ibadah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So, as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, capitalize on five before five, your youth before your old age. Number two, وَصِحَّتَكَ قَبْلَ سَقَنِي and your health before your illness. Before illness strikes you, 
do what you have to before illness strikes you, appreciate and value your youth, your good health, and use it in the best way. And as the Prophet ﷺ said in that hadith, نِعْمَتَانْ مَغْبُونٌ فِيهِمَا كَثِيرٌ مِّنَ النَّاسِ الصِّحَةُ وَالْفَرَاغِ There are two blessings of Allah in which many people are at a loss, a great loss. Health and free time. And as the ulama have said, only the sick appreciate good health. When we are fit and healthy, we pay no attention whatsoever. Just as the Prophet ﷺ has reminded us to visit the graves because they remind us of death. And in one hadith, أَكْثِرُوا ذِكْرَ هَادِمِ الْلَذَّاتِ Excessively remember the demolisher of all pleasures, meaning death. We have been encouraged to attend the janazah. We have been attend, uh, encouraged to attend funerals. We have been encouraged to visit the sick. To do iyadah. And one of the wisdoms of visiting the ill and the sick is that we are able to appreciate the good health that Allah has given us. We are able to see that we will also end up being like them at some stage. There's no running away from it. Allah says in Surah Yaseen, وَمَن نُعَمِّرْهُ فِي الْخَلْقِ أَفَلَا يَعْقِلُونَ And whomever we give age, we reverse and flip him in creation. Do they not understand? We may look handsome and healthy and fit now, as we all believe of ourselves. But with age, as I was mentioning, the law of the universe is that with the passing of time, there is deterioration, physical and spiritual. So as we age, Allah says, we reverse them, we flip them in creation. Do they not understand? We will suffer. Our bodies will fail. I went to see an optician. We were discussing people having to wear reading glasses at the age of 45. Everyone, or the clear majority of people. And whilst explaining that, he said to me that I once read that the human body is not designed to function after the age of 40. He actually begins breaking down. At the, the human body is not designed to function after the age of 40. He actually begins breaking down. So I said to him, I read the verse to him and then I explained it to him that whoever we give age, we reverse him and flip him in creation. Do they not understand? So that's one of the wisdoms of visiting the sick. When we see them, we should be reminded that one day they were like us and one day we shall become like them. Prophet says in a hadith categorically, before I used to prevent you from visiting the graves, but now visit them. So he encouraged us to visit the graves. And what's our dua when we visit the graves? 
السلام علیکم دار قوم المؤمنین وَإِنَّا إِن شَاءَ اللَّهُ بِكُمْ لَاحِقُونَ انتم لنا فرطم ونحن لكم تبع السلام علیکم O place of the believing people Immediately thereafter we say وَإِنَّا إِن شَاءَ اللَّهُ بِكُمْ لَاحِقُونَ And we إن شاء الله will be joining أنتم لنا فرطم ونحن لكم تبع You are our predecessors and we are your followers We are reminded about this when we attend funerals visit the graveyards We should visit the sick so that we are reminded of our reality the reality of life of our destiny our future of how they were once like us and how we will one day become like them And hopefully this may goad us and encourage us and inspire us to appreciating our youth now, our health now. As the Prophet ﷺ says, capitalize on your health before your illness. Number three, Prophet ﷺ says, appreciate your independence before your dependence. Your wealth before your poverty. Now some of us may, i.e. We should consider ourselves rich. If you have food before you, and you are able to sleep, and you have clothes that protect you from the elements, and that cover your privacy, you are rich. Unfortunately, human, na- human nature is that we always consider ourselves to be poor. We are always wailing and lamenting our poverty, no matter how rich we are. The one with a steady job, steady income, savings in their account, a house, a car, still considers himself poor. The millionaire still considers himself poor. The multimillionaire considers himself poor. And why? As Allah says in the Quran, الشَّيْطَانُ يَعِدُكُمُ الْفَقْرَ وَيَأْمُرُكُمْ بِالْفَحْشَاءِ Shaytan threatens you with poverty. That fear of poverty drives us. And we never consider ourselves rich enough. So maybe the hadith may initially may not make sense to us that that value and capitalize on your wealth now before your poverty. You may truly become poor tomorrow. If you have wealth now, use it wisely. Use it in the obedience of Allah. Use it in a way that benefits you. Especially in relation to the akhirah. We never think of ourselves as being rich. That's human nature. Imam Bukhari and others all relate a hadith from Abdullah ibn Zubayr radiyallahu who said on the member that I would hear Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, لَوْ أَنَّ ابْنَ آدَمَ أُعْطِيَ وَادِيًا مَلْأً مِّن ذَهَبْ لَأَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ ثَانِيًا وَلَوْ أُعْطِيَ ثَانِيًا لَأَحَبَّ إِلَيْهِ ثَالِثًا وَلَا يَسُدُّ جَوْفَ بْنِ آدَمَ إِلَّا الْتُرَابُ وَيَتُوبُ اللَّهُ عَلَى مَنْ تَابُ Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would say, Abdullah ibn Zubayr says, that he would say, if man was given 
a valley filled with gold, he would still desire a second. If he was given a second valley filled with gold, he would still desire a third. And nothing fills a cavity and vacuum in man except the dust of the earth. And Allah will relent to one to whom he does relent. Allah only turns in acceptance to whom he does turn. Only if Allah gives someone the tawfiq and the ability will they come to this realization. Otherwise, it's human nature that he will always want more. A valley full of gold is not enough. A second is needed. If a second is given, he or she will desire a third. So we never consider ourselves rich. We're always poor. But the Prophet ﷺ says, no, in reality, you are rich now. And make use of that wealth. Appreciate and capitalize on your wealth. That's why in the verse in Surah Al-Munafiqun towards the end, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la tulhikum amwalukum wa la awladukum an dhikrillah. O believers, do not let your wealth or your riches, literally your riches, do not let your riches nor your children distract you from the remembrance of Allah. And whoever is guilty of this, then these are the losers. And spend of that which we have given you before death comes to one of you. Then at the time of death, he says, Oh my Lord, give me some respite, give me some delay, just for a short while. Why? So that I may give in charity and be of the pious. Allah will never delay the time of a person when it comes. So just like the other verse, at the time of death, we will want to come back. It will be too late. And in this verse, Allah tells us we will want to come back specifically to spend in the way of Allah and to give in charity. And that's why in a hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, you should give in the best of charities, you should give in charity when? When you are healthy. And you are greedy. You are greedy for wealth. You are healthy. I.e. you can use that wealth. This is the best time for you to give in sadaqah. Give now. When you are healthy, when you are greedy, you hope for more wealth and you fear poverty. Give now. Not later, and he says it so beautifully, when you come close to your death. Then you begin to say, oh, give this wealth to such and such a person, give this wealth to such and such a person, give this to Funa, give this to Funa. And the Prophet ﷺ says, وَقَدْ كَانَ لِفُنَا When he has already become, when it was already for such and such a person. I.e., you were simply saving it throughout your life for the other person. It doesn't belong to you unless you spend it. If you have wealth and you don't spend it, it doesn't belong to you. It could belong to anyone. You are merely looking after it. 
You are the one losing sleep over it and looking after it in trust for others. It only belongs to you if you've spent it and used it and you've been strengthened and nourished or clothed by it, as is the understanding and the meaning of many of the hadith, which I won't go into in any detail now. So the Prophet encourages us to spend in the way of Allah before death. Allah tells us in the verses of Surah Al-Munafiqun, which we regularly hear in Jumu'ah Salah, spend before death comes upon you. So we may not think we are rich now, but in reality we are. Appreciate and value and capitalize on your wealth now before your poverty, on your independence now before your dependence. That's the third one. And the fourth one, Prophet says, Capitalize on your free time before your preoccupation. Again, time is money. We always think that we're too busy. We've got no time. Everyone's always complaining, no time, no time, no time. Allahu Akbar. There's no barakah in time. It's one of the signs of the hour. Imam Bukhari and others all relate a hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ mentions a few signs of Yawm Al-Qiyamah, of the final hour. The first one in all of these hadith is, zaman, Time will shrink. Time will shrink. And Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal in his Musnad and Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi alayhi in his Sunan both relate that the Prophet ﷺ said, Time will shrink, so much so, that a year will become like a month, a month will become like a Jumu'ah, meaning a week. And a Jumu'ah, meaning a week, will become like a day. Or will be like a day. So a year will be like a month. A month will be like a Jumu'ah, meaning a week. A Jumu'ah, meaning a week, will be like a day. A day will be like an hour. And an hour will be like... And the words of the Hadith are... The Arabs, they would... They used to have these torches made with wicks, large wicks or torches made with the dry leaves of palm trees. So they would wrap them and burn them. So a single leaf, a single dry leaf of a palm tree would burn very quickly. So the wording of the hadith is, and an hour will be like the burning of a leaf. So how long it takes for a crackling dry leaf to burn out? Prophet ﷺ says, an hour of the day will be like that. And that will be towards Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And subhanAllah, we can see today there's, no, there's hardly any barakah in time. We have all the facilities and amenities. We have cars, we have modern transport in our homes. We have all the appliances, all the facilities. And yet... We complain of no time. And we have physical proof of this. That there is there was barakah in the time of those who came before. I've mentioned this on a number of occasions, lest someone says that how is that possible? Time is relative. Ask Einstein. Time is relative. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts barakah in the time of those whom he wishes. 
Imam Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, rahmatullahi a scholar who died in 1011, sorry, in 310 Hijri. His students, they calculated the number of pages that he had written in his life. And it was a stupendous number. Imam Jalaluddin al-Suyuti, rahimahullah, a scholar who died in 9-11 Hijri, he wrote a tafsir of the Qur'an, Jalalain, well, tafsir, which is half of Jalalain, students and the ulama will know this. His teacher had written a tafsir of the Qur'an, Imam Jalaluddin al-Mahalli. His name was also Jalal. So he had written a tafsir of the Qur'an, but counterintuitively, he had started his tafsir from Surah Al-Kahf till the end of the Qur'an. So he did the second half first. And his idea was to do the tafsir in as concise a manner as possible. No detail. Using as few words as possible, explain the verses of the Qur'an in order to provide a summary of the tafsir of the ulama of before. Now that's a very difficult task. Extremely difficult. What is someone's free? Here's a verse of the Qur'an, elaborate on it. Relying on earlier sources. And the other is, write a commentary of the Qur'an, be as concise and as brief as possible for each verse in as few words as possible. That is a difficult task. So when he completed the half of the Qur'an's tafsir, i.e. the second half, unfortunately he passed away. His student, Imam Jalaluddin al-Suyuti, whose name was also Jalal, he made an undertaking that I will write the remaining half of the Qur'an, but he start, had to start from the beginning till Surah Al-Kahf. I will do the first half of the Qur'an in order to complete my teacher's tafsir, and I will do it exactly as he did it. Now that's a double undertaking. Not only will I do it, but I will follow his pattern in his footsteps and try to make it as close to his tafsir as possible. Now that's, that's extremely difficult. Living in Egypt in the 10th Hijri century, a few centuries ago, writing with pen and ink on parchments, on rough paper. He compl- and he, this is just one of his books. He completed the tafsir of half of the Qur'an in 40 days. 40. Most of the ulama and students can't study it in 40 days. And these are live examples. We are unable to read the books of these ulama as a team in the same amount of time that they were able to write them by hand. Allah places barakah in the time of those whom he wishes. Imam Bukhari would complete 40 Qur'ans in the Ramadan. Imam Shafi'i and Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah would complete 60 Qur'ans in Ramadan. Some people say, how is that possible? Again, barakah, truly barakah. Today we have all the facilities and yet people complain, no time. No time whatsoever. Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa says, zaman. So we think that we will have free time later, no. The truth is nobody has time, we have limited time, we have to prioritize. We have to prioritize. 
And what the Prophet ﷺ says is that give priority to your deen, to your akhirah, to your Lord. So, to your akhirah. So capitalize on your free time now before your preoccupation. Everyone thinks, I'll be free later, I'll be free later. We're all, we always make our plans contingent. And I've seen this throughout the years helping people. We all think that when we're young, no, inshallah, let me just get through school, let me just get through college, let me just get through university, let me finish my degree, let me finish my apprenticeship. When I get married, when I get a house, when I get settled down, when the children are settled, and this when, 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 when never stops until death comes upon us. It never stops. And that's why the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he once drew a figure in the sand with a stick. He drew a box. And he then drew a long line intersecting the box throughout. He drew a, a, there was a box. He drew a line beginning well before the box, straight through the box. And then to the side, he drew further lines. And then the Prophet ﷺ said, this is man. And these lines... These are the calamities that befall him. If they do not finish him, then he pointed to the box. Then this will finish him, meaning death. But his line began before the box and continues after the box in reference to his journey, his dreams, his hope, his ambitions, his aspirations. Sayyidina Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu He would sing a poem when he moved to Medina after the Hijrah. He was overcome by fever because Medina was humid. So he would, it's a hadith of Bukhari. And Umm al-Mu'mineen Aisha radiallahu anha says that when he was overcome by fever, he feared death. And he would recite the following couplet. That every man rises in the morning amongst his family, meaning happily amongst his family. Even though death is closer to him than the strap of his sandal. Every man rises happily amongst his family, even though death is closer to him than the strap of his sandal. So, we think we are preoccupied now. In reality, we are free now. We will be preoccupied later. And all the, we make plans contingent. So we say, I'll do this when this ends. I'll do this when that happens. These contingencies never come about. The truth is, we have to prioritize. These things will never come to an end. These niggly tasks, these side Distractions, they will never come to an end. We have to prioritize, focus on that. The Prophet ﷺ says, capitalize on your free time before your preoccupation. And I repeat that hadith in which the Prophet ﷺ says, two blessings in which many people are at a loss. 
As-sihd wal-faragh, good health and wal-faragh, meaning free time, opportunity. And the final thing is, وَحَيَاتَكَ قَبْلَ مَوْتِكَ Capitalize on your life before your death. Overall, make good use of your life before your death. Death can come upon us at any time. We can't plan that I will die at the age of 70, 80, 90, 100. Who knows what could happen? And then when it does happen, as I mentioned those verses of the Qur'an, we will plead, we will dream, we will wish at the time of death to be returned to life. And after death to be returned to life. As Allah says in that verse of the Qur'an, وَأَنِيبُوا إِلَىٰ رَبِّكُمْ وَأَسْلِمُوا لَهُ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ الْعَذَابُ ثُمَّ لَا تُنْصَرُونَ And the verse, can I translated it earlier, turn to your Lord and submit to him before the punishment comes upon you, then you won't be assisted. وَاتَّبِعُوا And the verses continue, وَاتَّبِعُوا أَحْسَنَ مَا أُنْزِلَ إِلَيْكُمْ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ يَأْتِيَكُمُ and follow the most beautiful of that which has been revealed to you from your Lord before the punishment comes suddenly upon you. And you do not even realize. Why is Allah telling you this? The verses continue. Allah says, all of this, why? Lest a soul says, or will say then, Ya Hasrata, woe be unto me, Alama fi jambillah, over my shortcomings in relation, in respect to Allah. Wa in kuntulaman asakhin, and indeed I was one of the jokers. That's the meaning of the verse. Wa in kuntulaman asakhirin, I was one of the jokers. We think life is a joke. Allah says in another verse, Those who took their religion as play and jest and who were deceived by the worldly life. So, man will say, and I was one of the jokers. So, do this lest you have to say this at the end. Or, Allah says, Allah continues. أو تقول لو أن الله هداني Or lest a soul then says If only Allah had guided me I would have been one of the guided Or تقول حين ترى العذاب Or the soul Lest the soul says When it sees a punishment If only لو أن لي كرة فأكون من المحسنين. If only I have one chance of going back. كرة, a return. If only I could have one return so that I could be of those who do good. Verse after verse of the Quran tells us that at the time of death we will regret and we will want to be returned to life and we will want this after death. We will want it in on يوم القيامة too. It will be too late. So, وَحَيَاتَكَ قَبْلَ مَوْتِكَ Value and appreciate your life before your death. 
Another hadith which is very similar to this, related by Imam Tirmidhi rahmatullahi in his sunan. In fact, Imam Muslim rahmatullahi relates a hadith in his sahih, in which Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, like I said, there should be no waiting, there should be no deliberation when it comes to the akhirah. Imam Abu Dawud relates that hadith in his sunan, that there should be deliberation in everything except in the deeds of the akhirah. When it comes to the deeds of the akhirah, what should we do? Allah says, وَسَارِعُوا إِلَىٰ مَغْفِرَةٍ مِنْ رَبِّكُمْ And hasten, rush towards the forgiveness of your Lord. وَفِي ذَلِكَ فَلْيَتَنَافَسِ الْمُتَنَافِسُونَ And in this should people rival with each other, rival each other, vie with each other. وَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ Rush towards and hasten towards good deeds. فَاسْتَبِقُوا الْخَيْرَاتِ So Allah tells us, rush, hasten. Race, vie with one another, race against each other in good deeds, compete with one another in good deeds. Deliberation, forbearance, slowness in everything except in the deeds and the affairs of the Akhirah. And that's why the Prophet ﷺ says in this hadith related by my Muslim in his Sahih, Prophet ﷺ says, Badiru bil a'mali fitnan mudlim. Rush towards and race with your deeds, race against and beat trials and tribulations that will come upon you like the dark hours of the night or like the hours of the dark night. And in another hadith later by Imam Tirmidhi in his Sunan and by others, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, بَادِرُوا بِالْأَعْمَالِ السَّبْعَةِ هَلْ تُنْذَرُونَ إِلَّا إِلَى فَقْرٍ مُنْسٍ أَوْ غِنَمْ مُطْغٍ أَوْ مَرْضٍ مُفْسِدٍ أَوْ هَرْمٍ مُفَنِّدٍ أَوْ مَوْتٍ مُجْهِزٍ أَوْ الدَّجَّارِ فَالشَّرُّ غَائِبٍ يُنْتَظَرْ أَوْ السَّاعَةِ فَالسَّاعَةُ أَدْهَى وَأَمَرُ Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, with good deeds, race against and beat seven things. Number one, are you, 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 you are only being taken towards, you are only being delayed. The meaning of Haltun Darun is that exactly what I was saying before. We always think, no, I'll do it later. So the Prophet says, Haltun Darun, you are only being delayed. If you're delaying things, in reality, what, what will the, where will this delay take you? So he says, with good deeds, race against and beat seven things. You are only being postponed to, and then he mentions the seven things. The first one, illa illa faqrin munsi. You are only being postponed to poverty which will make you forgetful, i.e. forgetful of Allah. If you think you're poor now, fear what may truly happen to you later. Number two, or to wealth, mudghin, which will make you transgress. This is another thing. We always think, let me become financially stable, financially independent. Let me become a bit more richer. Let me become financially secure. And then, inshallah, I'll lead a good life. I'll do good. I'll give in charity. The only problem is, wealth may come, but it brings with its problems. And some of the problems of wealth are, Arrogance, delusion, pride, 
hard-heartedness, corruption. That's why the Prophet ﷺ says, you are only being delayed to poverty which will make you forgetful, or riches which will make you transgress. Omar al-Din Mufsid, or you are only being delayed to sickness which will debilitate you. This is why he said in the other hadith, value your health now before the arrival of illness. And then the fourth one, or old age. So we always think, I'll do it later. But if you are delaying things, you are only being delayed to these three things. Or the fourth thing, old age, which will make you senile. You may grow old, but will you become wise? Or will you return to your childhood in old age and senility? Or the fourth thing, or the fifth thing, or mujhiz. Or a sudden death. Or a sudden death. Or the sixth thing, you are only being delayed. The sixth thing, for towards the jar. So that if a shadr this is an evil thing to be waiting for. Or the seventh thing, oh is or the final hour, or So the final hour is even more bitter. And even a greater calamity. So it's a similar hadith. Prophet ﷺ says, race against, with, with your good deeds, race against these seven things and beat them. And with this, I'll repeat that hadith with which I started. I pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enables us to remember these words of the hadith and act upon them. Prophet ﷺ says, اغتنم خمسا قبل خمس شبابك قبل هرمك وصحتك قبل سقمك وغناءك قبل فقرك وفراغك قبل شغلك وحياتك قبل موتك Capitalize on five things before five. Your, ha- your youth before your old age. Your health before your sickness. Your riches and your wealth before your poverty. Your free time before your preoccupation. And your life before your death. Wasallallahu sallam ala abdihi wa rasooli nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nshidwa la ilaha illa ant. Nastaghfiruka wa nakhfiru ilayhi.